Amen. It is good to be with you again today. And um, make no bones about it, right? We are here to worship the Lord and to praise Him for His goodness and His grace and all the many blessings He has poured out upon us, but namely that which we have in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation, and it's ours eternally. And one day we will worship Him. Uh, without any distraction around the throne of grace as sons and daughters of God. I'm going to ask you right now, if you'll just pray with me, and then we'll turn to the word of God. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for sending your son to purchase the body of Christ and to call her your own, to call her from darkness to light from being dead to being alive, from having no hope and no joy to eternal life and endless joy in Jesus. Father, today we pray that you would enlighten our minds and our hearts, that you would continue by your grace to transform us more into the image of Christ. And, Father, that you will cause all distractions to leave, that we might focus our attention upon you as we continue our time of worship in the word. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you will, stand with me and find your place in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible, and I would ask you to follow along with me. Beginning in verse 1, we will read down through verse 10. Everybody hear me okay just before I get started? I know there was a problem at one time, but all good? Everybody can hear me? We're great? Amen. Beginning in verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 37, the Bible says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were many, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you. And cover you with skin. And put breath in you. And you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied there was a sound. And behold a rattling. And the bones came together. Bone to its bone. And I looked and behold there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them. And skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them, 
Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Lord God, we pray that you would use your word, your word to do your work by your spirit in our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Today's title, the, the, the title of this message is, Can These Bones Live? Can These Bones Live? Obviously coming out of Ezekiel chapter 30, 37, what we just read, and I'm going to quote even further on than verse 10. I'll probably grab some passages from 11 through 14, but you get the gist of what is going on here. And I want to share a story with you story I read not too long ago about discouragement and the devil. Oh no, the devil's full of discouragement, right? And it was advertised <clears throat> that the devil was going to put his tools up for sale. And on the day of the sale, the tools were, were, were placed out on the table for public inspection, each being marked with a sale price. And there were many treacherous implements such as hatred, envy, jealousy, doubt, lying, pride, so on and so forth. And laying some distance away apart from all the other tools was a harmless looking tool. It was well worn, but it was priced very high, much higher than all the rest of the tools. And one buyer stopped by and he asked, What's the name of that tool? Oh, said the devil, that tool is called discouragement. Well, why is it priced so high, the buyer asked. Well, said the devil, it's priced as such because, because it's my most useful tool. You see, with this tool, I can get inside a person's mind, whereas with other tools, I can't. And once I get inside, I can, I can influence him with all my cunning, deceitful schemes. It's a badly worn tool because I use it on almost everybody. And the devil's price for discouragement was so high that it never sold that day. As a matter of fact, it remains still today his most useful tool. Especially on God's people. Say, well, why God's people? Look, he's a defeated foe. And who better to go after when you can't, when you've been defeated by God the Son at the resurrection? You go after his people, his children. And so he's still seeking to win the battle that is won. He's lost, he's defeated. Friends, I believe that what we read from the book of Ezekiel, namely chapter 37 today, in this message that I've entitled, Can These Bones Live?, is a source of encouragement to all who belong to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And obviously face discouragement in our service towards God. 
And though the enemy seeks to hinder us in this service, I pray that today's message would encourage your hearts to persevere. To continue as Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the calling to which you have been called. And what the prophet Ezekiel says as God's mouthpiece here in chapter 37, it's a powerful statement about God's power to revive the body of Christ through His sovereign, gracious work where He is pleased, and listen to me, He is pleased to pour out the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. in a fresh way, in a full way, to strengthen the body of Christ, to strengthen both you and I and all who believe to God through Jesus. As a matter of fact, he is pleased to do this to a church that is struggling. Because guess what? We haven't arrived, have we? Y'all get discouraged sometimes? I do. I'll be the first to admit it. But he wants to strengthen his church. He wants to bring, breathe vigor into his church and life into his people again so as to awaken us from the depths of our continued need for him and deploy us with new zeal, fresh Holy Spirit zeal for all that God's commanded us to do in Scripture. This is our greatest need, isn't it? Who are we without the fullness of God. Well, we're nothing. Yes, we're something. We are someone because we are positioned in Christ in such a way that, that God loves us. He can never love us any more or any less because we are His sons and daughters. But listen, He promises fullness to His own in ways that you and I can't even begin to fathom, in ways that we can't even begin to comprehend. And that's called walking with God daily. Trusting Him daily, being faithful to Him, even when it doesn't seem right, look right, feel right, but God calls us to obedience. And when we do that, oh, God fills us afresh. It's the greatest need of the church. It's the greatest need of the nation. It's the greatest need of the world. And listen, planning and programming, all of that is great. All the ministries of the church are wonderful. They are great, both large and small, organized and individual, formal and informal, that are doing remarkable things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. They are wonderful. But this is not our greatest need, is it? To look the part but not be what God's called us to be. To look like a polished people but not walking faithfully with our Savior. Our greatest need is the sovereign, gracious visitation of the Holy Spirit upon our souls. That's our greatest need. Does this mean that we stop working? Does this mean that we stop serving, that we stop praying and planning and giving and going? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Because God uses means, doesn't he? He works by means, and we need to use every means necessary 
every means at our disposal in his service to promote the cause of Christ. But the church, we must bathe all that we are doing, all the means that we are using in an atmosphere of dependence and expectation and longing for the wind of the Holy Spirit of God to begin to blow, to fill ourselves, to give life and power and momentum to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Take, for example, what Ezekiel does here. He speaks, he prophesies, doesn't he? He prophesies to the bones. And here you have sinews, flesh, and skin. They all come together, but they're lacking, aren't they? What's wrong? There's no life in them. At least until God, by His Spirit, breathes into them. We are in desperate need of the breath of God. The Spirit of God daily. So as we explore this passage today, let's ask God to fill us afresh. To fill us afresh and, 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 and to give us an appetite, a, a longing for the true Holy Spirit wrought revival that we so desperately need. Individually, yes, in our own souls, because that's where it begins. And then watch him do what only he can do in the rest of the body. And then in the community, then in the state, then in the country, and in the world. All to the glory of God. How does this happen? When men attend to their own souls and cry out to the Lord to do what only he can do. You see, none of us have arrived. All of us are lacking in some way, shape, or form. And we all have room for growth. But as long as we are clinging to Christ and all that He can give, what's there to worry about? Walking with the Lord and then when we fall, asking Him by His grace to pick us up and oh, how He wants to so desperately because we are His and He is ours. What a beautiful image. Well, you may know that Ezekiel chapter 37 was written <clears throat> to the people of God while in exile in Babylon. They've been in exile for nearly 12 years, maybe a little more, and they're incredibly discouraged, as you can imagine. As a matter of fact, they feel hopeless. Everything seems to be lost. That's if you read on down in verse 11, cut off is the language that is used there. That's how they're feeling. And God, through the prophet Ezekiel in our text, is sending a word of hope, a word of promise to his people of revival and renewal. And if you know anything about the book of Ezekiel, it's likely that you know chapter 37, the Valley of Dry Bones, which may be the only thing that most people know about the book of Ezekiel. But what's helpful is that we read chapter 37 as the companion chapter of the one preceding it. What is that? Well, it's chapter 36, right? And in chapter 36, we have something told to us by way of promise from God. It is the promise of the new covenant. 
where God takes away the hearts of stone of his people and he gives them hearts of flesh and he gives his spirit to them and he puts his spirit within them. And that means that the prophecy now of chapter 36 and 37 are fulfilled primarily on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. When you remember the risen Christ poured out his Holy Spirit upon the church, enabling us and empowering us and equipping us for Christ-exalting ministry. That's what we do now. Everything is about Christ. Not about us, not about our local church, not about our ministries. It's all about Jesus. And if we read through the book of Acts, and as the subsequent history of the church abundantly demonstrates, God still pours out His Holy Spirit in fresh ways upon the church in seasons of particular declension or special need, awakening her, as you know, from sleep, from wayward conditions, and thanks be to God, restoring her to vigor and dynamism, empowering the church to fulfill all that God's called us to do. So with that in mind, let's look at two things here in Ezekiel chapter 37. First thing I want us to consider is the power of God's Word. The power of God's Word. And then secondly, the power of God's Spirit and prayer. So let's consider our first point, the power of God's Word. Now here in chapter 37, we initially see an obvious problem. Beginning here in verse 1, where the Lord, He gives Ezekiel a vision and He sets him down in the middle of a valley of dry bones. Pretty horrific, isn't it? Seems almost like a horror movie, doesn't it? And the Lord leads him around this vast landscape of sun-dried, sun-bleached bones. It's an astonishing sight. As a matter of fact, we know it's astonishing the way in which the text is written. We see the repeated word, behold, in verse 2. Behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And these bones are the bones of a defeated army. It's the ultimate outcome of the judgment given for breaking God's covenant. Remember what God said in Deuteronomy chapter 28, that if His people break His covenant, He will cause them to be defeated before their enemies. And that their dead bodies shall be food for all the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth, and, and there shall be no one to frighten them away. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah says a very similar thing, much nearer to the time of the fulfillment of this judgment in Jeremiah chapter 34. And now if you look at verse 11, you'll see the interpretation here of this vision. The bones are the whole house of Israel. And listen to what they say. Our bones are, are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. So the people of God, again, they are in exile. 
in Babylon under the covenant rebuke of God. And to them, this is, this is, a, this is sort of kind of like a, a death, isn't it? They have no hope. They're discouraged, cut off, at least that's the way it feels. They're cut off from the land, they're cut off from the people, they're cut off from the blessing. But did God do this or did they do this? They did this. Now it's not that there aren't any believers here in exile. There's always a remnant, isn't there? Psalm chapter 44 helps us understand that. As the song of the faithful in exile long to be restored. So it's not that there's no believers in exile, but that God has disciplined His people for their backsliding and their disobedience, and now they're broken. They're hopeless. They are in need, and there's only one who can help them with their need. And it's God. But you see, God in this vision, He asks Ezekiel a very important question, doesn't He, in verse 3. Son of man, can these bones live? It all appears hopeless. <laughs> We're cut off. God doesn't love us anymore. We're in exile. We're in Babylon. Oh, oh what are we going to do? Ezekiel, can these bones live? God tells Ezekiel what to do. He said, Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now this seems somewhat pointless, doesn't it? That God would command Ezekiel to preach to dry, lifeless, wayward bones. <laughs> and so the obvious question is, what possible good will it do to preach to those who are indifferent or do not care and those who are unable to hear? And we see this everywhere in Scripture, right? As the nature of preaching, the nature of heralding, proclaiming or prophesying the Word of God, especially with Paul in relation to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, when he calls it the foolishness of preaching which saves those who believe that's what God's called us to do, to declare, to proclaim the gospel message of the Lord. And so one might think that prophesying or preaching God's word, ah, that's out of date, that's not going to work. But in fact, the word of God preached and received is potent enough to create life. God has ordained it to be the instrument of His recreative work in people's hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit just as He breathed into Adam after speaking His Word in creation to him. So God will do it again through His Word going forth from the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the Holy Spirit is eager to go and to prepare the hearts for the Word and to breathe life into people who are dead in their trespasses and sins. The thing to note here is that the bones are to be brought to life by the instrumentality of Ezekiel's preaching. This is very important, but something we must remember too is that though Ezekiel proclaimed the word of the Lord, it's not the reconstitution of the physical body that God is after, but what his preached word leads to, the spiritual renewal and revitalization of his people's hearts. That's what God is after. And this can only come by the Spirit of God as He descends upon His people and He fills them once His Word goes forth. And so let me encourage you right here, church. Whenever the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, whenever North Etowah Baptist Church commits her way to the Word of God, even when everyone else says, hey, that's unpopular, it's out of date, it's irrelevant, God will honor and bless you, as Psalm chapter 1 says, like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. And this prosperity will be a gospel witness wherever you are. Because the never-ending fruit resulting from unending delight in God's Word will be a testimony to the weary, to the restless, to the heavy laden that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That's what God wants to do here. He's never changed. That's what God wants to do in every one of His churches. So you see, everyone, everywhere, you know this to be true. They're looking for life, but they're going to all the wrong places to find it, aren't they? If God does not save them, they will look until their life's end in every place, but the one place where life can be found. This is why our witness to the lost is so important. I'm not saying you've got to carry around a family-sized Bible and every chance you get, you thump them with it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying live real life around people. And every opportunity you have, pray. Speak of Christ. Let the joy of the Lord come out of your life. Ezekiel couldn't bring, he couldn't bring dry bones back to life. Neither can we. But we can put forth the message that becomes the instrument whereby God saves people. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes from hearing and hearing to the word of Christ. So just like Ezekiel, when God's word goes forth, the Lord uses that word accompanied by a spirit to regenerate and revive the hearts of people. Secondly, the power of God's spirit in prayer. There's a great deal in the New Testament about God's power at work as it manifests itself in and through the believer's life, doesn't it? <clears throat> and the vision here of the valley of dry bones coming to life, it paints this same picture 
of God's power in the life of a believer. We are, in other words, talking about something of immediate relevance to ourselves, aren't we? An impossibly great divine power we are supposed to know and to experience for ourselves. God's not dead, neither is His Spirit. He didn't raise you up and save you to leave you to yourself and say, figure it out on your own. No, He's with us to the end. As a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It's a guarantee of our future inheritance. We are sealed with the Spirit until God receives us unto Himself in the last day. You see, the power being described in this vision, it's not for skeletons. It's for real people with real needs. And our stance, church, needs to be the stance of Ezekiel. When God asked him, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, Oh Lord God, you know. What's Ezekiel saying here? This is the reply of a man who is looking to God alone for the answer. He's not saying, oh, Lord God, you know. Nobody else knows. No, Lord, you know. And I'm looking to you for the answer. You're my only hope. You're the only hope for Israel. You're the only hope for the Gentiles. God knows the answer. And yet, he asks us every single day, doesn't he? In the midst of everyday life circumstances, this same question, can these bones live, Chris? Can these bones live, Dennis? What's our answer? When God asks us that question, here's what he's asking. Can I save your children? Can I save your grandchildren? Can I save your spouse? Can I do in your life what nothing else can do? Can I deliver you from your addiction? Can I bring vibrance back to this local body of believers? Lord God, you know. You've got the answer, and I'm looking to you for it. You're my only hope. Listen, the way we answer this question makes all the difference. Do you hear what I'm saying? The way we answer this question makes all the difference. If we reply by saying, yes, Lord, but, or, well, you see, God, if only I had, or, God, I'm really not sure, then how can we expect him to do anything? But if we say, Yes, O oh Lord God, you know that he will command us, as he did Ezekiel, to declare his word in a spirit of prayer over ourselves, over our families, over our circumstances, and he will breathe into our desperate souls a powerful, fresh feeling of his spirit, restoring and reviving us back to a life of joy and dependence on him. That's where he wants us. This is the power of the spoken word of God gone forth in prayer accompanied by His Spirit. 
Listen, God is perfectly acquainted with his own power and his own purposes. And he will have us refer to all of them. Not just some of them when it's convenient for us, but all of them. I'm just going to be honest with you here. Oh, how the church has been apathetic in this regard. Not North Etowah, but the church at large. We, 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 don't, we don't take God for His word as we ought. We don't depend upon God as we ought. We don't trust the Lord as we ought. We don't walk by faith as we ought. We don't declare the word of God over ourselves and our families and communities and brothers and sisters in Christ and even the lost as we ought. God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the problem of the dry bones. And so he does. The bones, they they come together, but there's no life. Ezekiel, God says, prophesy to the wind, Ezekiel. Prophesy, plead Plead the word of the Lord in earnest prayer to these bones. And he did. And what did Ezekiel begin to hear? As he obeyed the command of the Lord, he says, So I prophesied as I, command, as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. Behold, a rattling. Oh, when you hear a rattling, you better watch out. You better watch out and praise God because God is doing something. But I'm telling you right now, don't stop there. We can't stop there. Ezekiel is asked, can these bones live? Oh, Lord God, you know, verse 3. Prophesy, Ezekiel. Prophesy to the breath, verse 9. Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. It came into them. (laughs) And they lived. And they stood to their feet. An exceedingly great army. Mm. Let's bring this to a close. Those that do as the Lord instructs us in His Word, even in the face of greatest discouragement, listen to me now, need not doubt success when God graciously graciously and providentially begins to move upon His people. If the Lord is moving upon your heart, don't doubt it. If it's of the Lord, don't doubt it. Because God will own and enrich His own providential appointments. I believe that with all my heart. We see it time and time again in Scripture. We see this as he comes to Ezekiel. He gives him a vision of the restoration of Israel because he is the covenant-keeping God who swore by his own name, and he does not change. Remember what he says here in the previous chapter, chapter 36, about his new covenant promise of a new heart and a new spirit, echoing the new covenant promise that was given to us in Jeremiah chapter 31. And then we find... And this is where it's beautiful. Then we find the fulfillment of this new covenant promise in the New Testament, culminating in the Lord Jesus Christ, who, as you know, died and descended into the valley 
of death and was raised by the power of God for our justification and sealed us with the promised Holy Spirit. And yet he's calling us to do something, isn't he? The Lord's calling us, just like he did Ezekiel, to stand in the graveyard of the world and to preach the Lord Jesus Christ, to preach Christ to dry bones, to pray down the breath of life, to plead for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and to listen for the sound of rattling and the blowing of breath, the breath of life that sweeps through the life of his people called the church. And then it goes into the world. And here's what God is asking every single one of us here today. Can these dry bones live? Do you believe these dry bones can live? Let me ask you something very personal. How long has it been since you've heard the rattling of bones? We believe the bones can live, but how long has it been since... You have heard the rattling of bones. When was the last time you obeyed the the voice of the Lord and declared His word over your situation and bathed what seems impossible to you in prayer before the sovereign Lord who is willing and able to act on your behalf for your own personal joy and His great glory. Several years ago, my wife and I, we ran into an older godly couple. I think it was in Walmart, maybe. And we're talking about life and family, so on and so forth. And after a few minutes of talking, we shared a need in our life that required the Lord's help. And we'll never forget what they said to us, will we? They said very simply, but very profoundly, these six words. And the Lord can do it. (laughs) If Ezekiel chapter 37 has told you anything else, it is this. The Lord can do it. Amen? Listen, I don't know where... You are on your spiritual journey here today. I don't know what your immediate need is this morning. Maybe it's situational. Hey, we all could jump into that pile, right? We've all got a lot of stuff going on that we need the Lord's help with. That's who we are, needy people. Even this side of the cross, positioned in Jesus, we haven't arrived. We still need to depend upon the Lord. So maybe your most immediate need this morning is situational. Maybe it's familial. Maybe you've got some stuff going on in your home or in your extended family's life that you really are asking the Lord to do something. Or maybe your greatest need this morning is salvation in Jesus. And thank you, Dennis, for sharing the gospel early on in the announcement. Maybe salvation in Jesus is your greatest need. But you know what? Either way... The Lord can do it. The Lord can do it. If your greatest need this morning is salvation, know this. Jesus, who Ezekiel foreshadowed, descended into the valley of death 
and was raised by the power of God, He stands ready and willing to receive you unto Himself if you will repent and believe in His gospel. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that for our sake, He, that is God, made Him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in Him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. It's the greatest gift you can ever receive. And I pray this morning you will accept it if you have not. But for those of you who have, let's pray that the Lord will give us grace, the so desired grace we need, so that we can say, yes, O Lord, you know. Yes, Lord, you know. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you today for the opportunity of worship. We realize that it's only because of Christ that we are here. And every moment we breathe is a blood-bought gift from you and your Son. We are eternally grateful. And God, today we have heard your word. And you have called us. You've called us to depend upon you, to trust you. You've asked us, can these bones live? Lord, I pray that you will give us the grace to say as Ezekiel said, yes, O Lord God, you know. Help us in the affirmative to answer with confidence, yes, God, you are the answer. And now, O oh God, as we depart from this place here in just a few moments, help us to be a people of faith as we love and cherish and walk with you. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.